You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, we cover down on all of the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Tuesday, which around here we call Camel Eve. And uh, Boomer's on the board. Hey, bud. How you doing? Hey, doing good. Excited to hear all these topics today. <laughs> you, there's some there's some live ones in there. There's some live ones. He, Boomer gets to see them well ahead <laughs> of the show. So he sometimes he sees them and goes, that story you're doing, I can't believe that. Anyway, yeah, we got some good <laughs> stuff laid on. Hey, uh, and speaking of which, uh, if you are new to the show, a welcome to Right Side Radio. The folks that listen to the show, we call them Right Side Ruffians. And if you're one of those new listeners, we're glad to have you. We can tell, by the way, that we get new listeners, new followers, and uh, new podcasters. So, yeah, thank you very much. Glad to have you. Welcome to the show. Um, got a lot laid on for you today. At 4 o'clock today, you're going to want to hear State Senator Tom Butler, who serves uh, in Senate District 2 out of the Huntsville area. Uh, in Huntsville and Madison. He's going to be on the air with us, and we're going to be talking about the rocket. So, yeah, the rocket at the I-65 rest stop. What's going on with the rocket? Well, it happens to be in his district. I want to hear his thoughts. Does he see it going anywhere? Does he see it uh, being repaired, restored, uh, status quo? What does he think? So, yep, State Senator Tom Butler, you're going to want to hear that at 4 o'clock today. And then I got a triple dipper, man, full of stuff. Hit it, man. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. The first one, I'm just calling this whole first section, I kid you not. I mean, that's that's literally what I called it. I kid you not. I mean, I I was resourcing the show early this morning in the wee hours, and I, and I, was, I kept finding stories and going, that's an official position? That's an act of governance? I kid you not, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Then I'd find the next story and go, oh, no, that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, this whole first section is stories that were made in official capacities. I kid you not. Uh, Number two, the paper chase. We got to check it out, man. I'm telling you, this is a story that continues to find legs. And it's found new legs today. So now Vice President Mike Pence is involved. What? Yes. I I should say I kid you not, but he is. <laughs> but yeah, so Vice President Mike Pence, classified documents at his house. Funny how that happened. I got theories. I got thoughts on why. But then we're also going to talk about what's next for Biden. What is next for Biden? What are they doing next? Well, who's calling for what? We're going to talk about it. It's not going to be a long one, but we're going to talk about the paper chase. What's next? And then lastly, yep, you heard me earlier talking about State Senator Tom Butler calling in. So we're calling that whole section Save the Rocket. So Save the Rocket is up at the uh, 4 o'clock time frame, thereabouts. We'll talk about what's involved. And, oh, by the way, if you want to make a claim under Alabama law, the Alabama Monument Preservation Act, how does that work? And then who can, who, who's the one who, re, who reviews it? Is it possible there might be some conflicts of interest? I will let you know what I see. Save the Rocket, number three on the Triple Dipper. So there you go. All right, let me, let, me, let me move to my opening comments, my monologue for the day. Um, 
And I'll start off by asking you a question. Who do you look up to and, and why? And that's not a rhetorical question, by the way. I'm asking seriously, who, who do you look up to and why? It may be a parent, a coworker, a public figure, an athlete, a celebrity. Who would it be? And to actually look up to someone seems to indicate they hold a position that you've never held. Or they have a position of authority that you aspire to or at least answer to. I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but in my view, someone that you are just appreciative of is more like a tangential or peer relationship. But someone you admire is a person who you would aspire to be more like, at least in some ways. And it can be situational. It doesn't have to be everything about them. I mean, take John McCain, for instance. I don't agree with large aspects of his political agenda, but I admire the way he held up in a North Vietnamese prison camp, and I can only hope that if I was tortured and isolated like he was, that I could walk away from it with the same dignity that he did. We are told in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that we should strive to focus on whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. I'm going to suggest to you that Paul was not just writing about focusing on things or attitudes or situations, but also on people. Who we admire is sometimes as important as what or when or how we admire. I mean, do we admire those who are, quote, admirable and of good repute, like the verse says? Or at the very least, do we recognize aspects of their lives that give us reason to admire them because they inspire us to be more, you know, admirable ourselves? Well, the reason I ask this question is because just this morning I ran across something when I was prepping the show, and it reminded me that we are just about to hit the 80th anniversary of an event that occurred during World War II that cemented the legacy of one of the most enduring names to have ever served in the U.S. White House, John F. Kennedy. Now, some of you may be taken aback. Phil, he's a Democrat. I know. Phil, he had issues in his personal life. Yes, I'm aware. But the things that John F. Kennedy did in World War II are actually legendary, and I find them admirable. Admirable to the point that I would hope that if I was ever in the same position that he had been in, that I could do half as well. If there was ever a person who could said to have been privileged, and I hate to use that term, but there it is, privileged, it would have been John Fitzgerald Kennedy. His family were as close to being royalty as U.S. society would allow. During his years early on, he obtained an Ivy League education at Harvard. He played football there, and he suffered a pretty serious back injury. So serious, in fact, that the Navy actually rejected him for service when the war broke out. Now, at that point, you know, Kennedy could, could have told the world, hey, I tried. Sorry, they wouldn't take me. And he just stayed at home, working in the family business, advancing into politics, but he didn't. Kennedy did take advantage of his father's leverage and influence, but not like you might think. He had his dad's influence secure his way into active service in the Navy, despite the fact that he had an injury. Well, at that point, you know, he could have secured a comfortable position working as an admiral's aide in the War Department here at Stateside. I mean, after all, he was privileged, right? But no. John Kennedy volunteered for one of the newest, most dangerous, and somewhat swashbuckling jobs that the Navy could offer. He commanded a small patrol torpedo boat, or a PT boat, which often meant that he and his crew conducted reconnaissance and they attacked Japanese warships all by themselves and well outside of assistance from other Navy vessels. They were the Navy's version of commandos or long-range recon, and Kennedy's boat was the PT-109. Well, on August 2, 1943, the PT-109 was on a long-range patrol near the Solomon Islands in the dark of night all by itself when it encountered a Japanese destroyer. And during the melee, the PT-109 collided with the Japanese warship, and it was crushed, and it was instantly sunk. 
Two of Kennedy's men died instantly. One was severely burned, and the others were all afloat with no help in sight. Knowing their rough position, Kennedy led his men to find some floating wreckage, and then they set out swimming for a remote island that he believed was in the area. They swam for miles, with Kennedy himself lashing himself with his belt to the injured sailor and towing him through the open waters, often swimming with the belt held clenched in his teeth. Sick, beat up, and exhausted, Kennedy and the other ten men made it to a small remote island, but that was just the beginning. For the next six days, Kennedy himself swam in and around their island trying to fix their position and determine a way out. Eventually, two islanders in a dugout canoe were flagged down by the survivors, and Kennedy scratched a message on a coconut shell. And the message said this. It said, Naro Island, Commander, Native knows position. He can pilot. Eleven alive. Need small boat, Kennedy. And it worked. It turns out the islanders they flagged down work with the Allied Coast Watchers, and they got the coconut message back to a U.S. Sea Patrol. Kennedy and his men were rescued, and Kennedy himself received the Purple Heart and the Navy and Marine Corps Medal for heroism. The story of the PT-109, it just, it just resonated, man. It made international news. A movie was made about it. And young Kennedy, he carried that legacy into his years as president less than 20 years later. It is said, though, that for the rest of his life, cut short by his assassination in the early 60s, that Kennedy's injuries and the old pains from a pre-war football injury also made life more difficult than people ever knew. And for the duration of his time in the White House, there was a paperweight on the president's desk. It was a coconut shell inscribed with that rescue message. Kennedy had gotten it right after the rescue. He had it encased in a clear acrylic, and it sat there every day where he could see it while he worked. And that coconut shell is still on display right now in the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library in Boston. Now, I can't speak to every decision that Kennedy made. I can't speak to all aspects of his personal life, but I can say without equivocation that even a man who had different political persuasions than me, a different upbringing, he did things that I find to be admirable and of good report, things that I find inspiring, things that make me want to be better at whatever I do. And we deserve to have leaders like that who are indeed admirable and of good report. So I ask you again, who do you admire and why? And that's a wrap for the right side way. Good story. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love those things. And I told you before, I've got some things, some souvenirs or trophies, if you will, from my time overseas, things that my family picked up in other places that are in my study or in my house. They mean far more than any postcard could ever do because they're tangible examples of something I went through. I can't imagine what it was like to be the president of the United States and have that coconut shell with your message, your rescue message inscribed on it, sitting there on the desk. Well, that's admirable. I like it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right sitting here in the right side studios with coffee cup in hand way overdressed for radio that's (laughs) i 
I was in lawyer mode all morning, and I've still got my tie on and just, you know, way overdressed for radio. Um, but I really love just sitting in our studio. It's just awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome. Did you just have yourself a happy moment there? I did. I did. <laughs> Okay. I mean, if y'all haven't seen us just sitting here yet, y'all need to check out the the, the YouTube or on our website or anywhere, just because we have a good old time in here. We do. And by the <laughs> way, we have a very cool studio. And I know for yes. a fact, I've been in a bunch of radio. I tell you what, quote from both Lieutenant Governor Will Ainsworth and separately from Senator Katie Britt, when they came here to be in studio, they looked around and went, we've been in every studio in the state. This is the nicest studio we've ever seen. We have an yes. awesome studio. Yes, by golly, it is. And I'm B- way between all the studios you've been in and I've been in, we've been in a lot. You've you've been in a ton. <laughs> so uh, so okay. So by the way, that brings up a point. Uh, here's a total here's a total rabbit trail to chase. Ah, rabbit trails. Y'all don't know that uh, Boomer's background um, is uh, working in the music industry in Nashville, and uh, it was tour manager for top name acts and also the coordinator for the Country Music Awards for a period of time. Very true, and I had a blast doing it, but now I'm on Right Side Radio, and I'm <laughs> loving it. Well, I'm just proud that we rank right up there with, you know, Kenny Chesney and all the others. Thank you so much. This is a blast. Uh, all right. Wow. Uh, hey, by the way, the text lines are open. You guys want to text in? We were covered up with text yesterday. I mean, like, couldn't even keep up yesterday. But, uh, but yeah, you want to text in, you are welcome to it. Um, the number here, 833 687 Four 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 eight. That's eight three three six eight. Right. Um, and and so then I get told that I read it too fast sometimes. So it's eight three three six eight seven four 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 eight. There it is. All right. So yeah, text on in, call on in. We'll take it. Uh, already gotten a few uh, responses about uh, um, people texting in about uh, the uh, monologue just then. Um, I'd never heard that story. That was amazing. You'd never heard the PT-109? I huh? had not. And then we, 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 we kind of looked up the boat, actually, right during the break. That's that's really cool. I'm pretty sure that would be a bad job to have, man. I mean, I'm bad in a good way. Yeah. Um, and then, wow, to have that coconut sit on your desk. Oh, yeah. Oh. There's a souvenir. I mean. it was. Yeah, you can look at pictures of it. In fact, uh, I, I encourage you to do that. Look up uh, – look up um, – John Kennedy, coconut desk, and I guarantee you're going to find it. I, I, I saw it just a little while ago when I was uh, pulling one last piece to put the model. There it is. Wow. I see it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a very cool story. But, I, but I, here's the thing, though, if I could just wax you know, philosophical for a moment. Um, I like the idea of having people in office who have done hard things well before they ever went into public service. And I get it. I know John Kennedy. He had all of his family's wealth and backing and – you know, he had what some would call a privileged lifestyle, no doubt. But, but, but there, you cannot deny at that particular moment he could have folded up like a you know cheap lawn chair. He could have, he could have, for that matter, he didn't have to go in the Navy at all. Uh, when the war came out, he tried to go in. They wouldn't take him because of an old football injury. Well, he was at Harvard. He didn't have to play football. He had a back injury that plagued him the rest of his life, and and literally had to use his dad's influence not to get out of service, which we've seen in more recent years, but to use it to get into service because he was mad because they wouldn't take him. And then did he go for a cush job? No. If you've seen the PT boats, if you've ever watched it, it was like those were those were the dudes that were like rough around the edges, you know. Nothing in their uniforms was ever crisp or starched. They half the time didn't shave and they just, you know, they were out there roaming the high seas uh, like, you know, modern-day pirates looking for, you know, recon issues and, and, and trying to take out uh, 
much bigger ships than them. Um, but yeah, I, I love the fact that he did those things. And that, that truly, I mean, it didn't matter what his family's wealth was. He didn't have to do those things. There was something in his character that made him do those things. There was something more there. And, and you know, when you look at what's admirable and a good repute, um, I think there had to be something said in there that, that was. Uh, I, got, uh, I got a number of uh, text messages here going on. Um, <laughs> well, Brian from Huntsville said, if our, if our very cool studio was any closer to him, we could have some of his Creole uh, crawfish uh, quiche right now. Ooh. Brian is Brian cooking. Brian, like, cooks all the time. He's a cooking machine, man. Man. He, you know, the, 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 uh, the official food of Right Side Radio is the um, maple bacon donut. Maple bacon donut. And but he I said he a, could make something with that, right? But I do have a penchant for apple fritters, and he oh, came up with maple bacon apple fritters. And I think he made them at home. <laughs> Brian. Ooh. ooh maple ooh. bacon apple fritters. That's just, we would have to name them after him, too. Like the, mm. what will we call that? The Brian fritter. I don't know what it would be. Mm. But, um, and then, did uh, <laughs> Jenny from Decatur just texted in and said, I heard Biden said he was with Kennedy when that happened, and because he had experience as a lifeguard, he rescued all the men. <laughs> yeah, they had to they had wow. to had to get a chain and beat corn pop away too, because he was trying to take out the boat. Oh my gosh. I got a brand new listener, David from Huntsville. We're glad you're on the line, dude. We're plugging you in right now. Um, Bob from Decatur. I would much rather have a president with a coconut sitting on his desk than to have one with a coconut between his shoulders. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. That one slayed me. Oh, Bob from Decatur man. just zinging on in there. Oh, my gosh. I lost myself for a moment there. Um, and then Allie from Athens says, No doubt JFK's life was a train wreck on a number of levels. That being said, as it pertains to the PT-109, he was a member of the greatest generation. Yes, he was, Allie. Yes, he was. And then uh, somebody who we don't know the name and where they're from because they didn't put it in there, but a brand new texture says, you left out JFK's book that opposed his father politically that his father admired. I, I, I'm not familiar with that story, but now i got to check it out. All right, tell us who you are and where you're from. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We're jumping right into the Triple Dipper when we get back. I'm calling this section... I kid you not, all official actions that when you hear it, I'm going to have to say, I kid you not, this is happening. (laughs) Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.